awesome song. Oh no. Oh, you weren't supposed to see that. I'm sorry. All right, that's a sneak peek, a preview. All right, my name is Jordan Massey. Let's flip open our Bibles to John 14. And uh, my wife and I, LaToya, we're part of the leadership team of the campus ministry, along with the Porters, the Shops, Graham and Lizzie. Man, we love the campus ministry. And we're so grateful to North River always investing in the next generation. We're gonna be in John 14 today. And the, the title of today's lesson is What's Love Got to Do With It? Or What's Love Got to Do, Got to Do With It? Man, Tina Turner's got nothing on, oh my. John 14, though, we're going to go on and jump on in to the scriptures. Verse 1. Uh, not, let's go, Tina. It's <laughs> not my name. All right, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Jesus right now, you know, as a campus ministry, we've been going through the book of John, and our theme for the semester is thirst or being thirsty for Jesus. So we've been going chapter by chapter through the book of John, and we got to here last week in the, our South community of campus, focusing on John 14. It, it's, they're at the Last Supper here. It's just Jesus and the 12 the day before he dies, and he's having this intimate conversation with the disciples. So it's, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, but I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So the disciples are troubled here. They're, they're confused. They're worried. Jesus has been saying that he's going to die. He's been saying that he's going to leave them. And they're, they're worried. And Jesus is sitting here thinking, you know, how can I explain to them, what words do I want to choose to encourage them to show them that I love them? And he starts talking about his father's house and rooms in his father's house. It's kind of interesting. We don't see very many other places in the Bible where heaven is referenced as the father's house. We don't see very many other places where it talks about rooms in his father's house. Why did Jesus choose this language on his last night? And it goes back to the culture of the time. You know, culture changes everything with words, but one of the biggest things that culture changes is engagement. You know, for us, uh, we have this phrase, will you marry me? We all know in our culture, if you see a guy on one knee before a girl, what does that mean? You pass, engagements, right? That they're getting engaged, it's a proposal. So much so that whenever Latoya and I are out at a nice restaurant or we're at a nice place, I say, babe, 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 give me your ring, give me your ring. And I'm like, let me just kind of, you know, cause a scene. She's always like, no, don't do that. You know? But I, I love it. She doesn't look like that, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, I'll never forget Latoya and I's engagement three and a half years ago on Tybee Island down in Savannah. And I had set up this whole scene to surprise her, where she walked up, went through this scene. There was a video waiting for her at the end on an iPad, and she's watching the video. And my goal was to sneak up on her, and at the end of the video, I would be on one knee proposing. So she's up there watching this video, and, and there's these pictures of me in the background just like completely losing it, like, okay, like before the 5K, like, okay, okay. And then, and then I, I like to just trying to warm up my legs. I was practicing, like, you know, behind her, just so I can get it. But we all know what, what proposal looks like in our culture. But if you were to say back then, go before, one, before a woman 
on, with, and go down on one knee and propose and bring out a ring and say, will you marry me? They have no idea what you were doing. So what in their culture did proposal look like? You know, if I wanted to marry Latoya 2,000 years ago in Judea, I would have started by sending my friends to her father, and they would discuss it, and my friends would convince her father to let her, his daughter marry me. Then I would send my father to her father, and then they would discuss a price, because I'm taking a worker from the family, so I need to pay a dowry. And once all that's finalized, I would throw a feast. And we would invite the whole town, and we'd have this giant feast, and we'd have dancing, and we'd have drink, and we'd have food. And at one point during the feast, I would stand up, and everyone else would go quiet. And I would have a cup in my hand, and I would drink from my cup, then I would offer it to her. And I would say, will you drink from my cup? And that's the proposal line. And if she accepted the proposal, she would then take the cup and drink it herself. And then to finalize the proposal, what I would say in front of everyone is now I will go to my father's house and prepare a room for you. I will go prepare a room and when I'm finished, I will come back and get you and take you so then you can be with me. And then I would sit down and everyone would, you know, celebrate, would finish the feast, the feast would be over. Then I'll go back to my father's house and I'll prepare a room as fast as I could. And, and then I'll go back and I'll get Toya and take her to be with me and then we would be married. Now, if you're familiar with the scriptures, that's amazing. And we know in Mark 14, the, the first communion ever, Jesus drinks from the cup and he offers it to them. He says, will you drink from my cup? And here, on the last night when the disciples are troubled, and Jesus is thinking, how can I possibly convince them of my love? What words could I use so they would know for all time that I love them and that I will come back for them? He goes, I got it. I will propose to them. And he literally, in their culture, gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? that I'll go to my father's house and prepare a room for you. God loves you this morning. God's love is so incredible. It's like the worst thing to ever preach about because I'm destined to fail because it's impossible to describe. God loves you so much that he wants to enter, he proposes to us. He wants to have a marital commitment, sacrificial, loving relationship with you. You are so loved this morning. Amen? But then the question comes up is, so Jesus asked, will you marry me? The question comes up, how would you respond if Jesus proposed to you? Because just because a guy proposes doesn't mean the girl's going to say yes. You know, right back before I proposed to Toya, I, I told my family and, the, and the, my friends that were with me, I said, okay, we got a rope, we got a really big rock. If she says no, tie it to me and throw me in the ocean because it's over. Like, it's such a big risk to put your heart on the line. And isn't Jesus dying on the cross the biggest risk that anyone has ever taken? And so he proposes to us, and if you want to say yes, what do you do? How do you respond? If we continue in John 14, Jesus paints a picture. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him 
and have seen him. So Jesus says, look, if you want to come into this marital relationship with me, you got to, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You got to do it my way. And someone might respond to him, no way. And then Jesus might respond, Yahweh. Toya told me not to say that. <laughs> but in one way, the way, the truth, and the life can be broken into three different things. But there's another way where they're the same thing, that Jesus is the true way of life. That he's the true way. You realize there's a lot of different ways you can live your life. There's a lot of different ways. But there's no way that works like Jesus's. The way of success in a career will not fulfill you like Jesus will fulfill you. The way of relationships will not sustain your heart like Jesus will sustain your hearts. The way of sports, the way of games, no matter what it is, there's only one true way in this universe. Have you realized that? And it's the way of life. Because you can exist without Jesus, but you can't truly live without Jesus. Jesus is the true way of life. And if you want to respond to his proposal then you gotta go down his true way of life. Well, then how do you do that? Jesus says, well, thanks for asking, I'll tell you. You know, in John 14, he continues in verse 15. It says, if you keep my commands, whoever has my commands and keeps, well, if you keep my, I can't talk. If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Look down at verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Hang on a second, I thought we were talking about love. Where do these commands and obedience come in? It, the truth that Jesus, the, the, the true way of life that Jesus sets out is that you cannot have a life with Jesus without obedience. You cannot have a life with Jesus without obedience. It is the one true way to love him and to keep his commands. So what's love got to do with it? Everything. What does love have to do with Jesus' commands? It has everything to do with Jesus' commands. So the question comes up of how do you view the commands of Jesus? So we know if that's what it looks like to go down his true way, to love him, to obey his commands, well, how do you view them? Do you view them as a burden? Or do you view them as a refreshing? Do you view them as an obligation or do you view them as a privilege? It's so interesting. You know, now's the time of the service where I gotta talk about something because on October 14th, at 7.36 a.m., we had a son that was born in, oh wait, okay, hang on a second. That was supposed to be a picture of Cam. But let's talk about the scriptures, uh, just sneak peek again, I'm sorry. But um, the Bible is more important to talk about than my son, amen. <laughs> Acts 3.19, let's talk about this first. It says, repent then and turn to God, talking about perspective, right? Repent then and turn to God to follow the commands of God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing May come, to the, may come from the Lord. First John 5, in fact, this is love for, for God to keep his commands. Check this out. And his commands are not burdensome. 
The commands of Jesus are so refreshing. Do you believe that? When you run away from the commands of Jesus, you're running away from the refreshment of life. They're so refreshing. Now I'm going to talk about my son. Okay, there's Cam. And uh, we, hey, Cam is five weeks old today. Man, it's so awesome. And uh, my, my wife is a superhero. She had a 31-hour labor. And, uh, but Cam is here now. He is the joy of my life. It's our first son. And uh, Kersey Porter had a little photo shoot with us. Thank you, Kersey. If you need a photo shoot, Kersey's amazing. Isn't he just the cutest little booger nugget you've ever seen in your life? I know all parents think your kids is the cutest. Your kids aren't the cutest. My kid is the cutest. Okay. Look at him right there. Yesterday morning, I was looking into his eyes, thinking like I'm looking into the eyes of an angel. Like there's nothing more pure than this right now. Instead of reading my Bible, I just hang out with him. It's just a good of a quiet time. It's just awesome. But I, I love him so much. But, there, but you know what? Camden's a baby, and he doesn't know anything, like literally anything, right? And so there's moments when I'm trying to love my son, and he has no idea what's going on. So I'll be preparing a bottle for him, and then trying to love him, give him food. And you know what he's doing? And then, and then I'm trying to ch- change his diaper and clean his bum, trying to love him that way, and what is he doing? And, and then I'm trying to swaddle him and make him make sure he's nice and secure. And then while he's doing that, what does he do? But then as soon as I put the bottle in his mouth, I don't do it forcefully, put the bottle in his mouth, I finish the swaddle, I, I put the, the diaper down, he goes, oh, oh, this is nice. And then right in, the moment, right in that moment, what do I do? Like I'm stressed out now. But at some point, Cam has to realize that I'm trying to love him and to take care of him. I've heard from some of you parents that he's not going to get that for 30 years. But at some point. But think about us, right? How does God view us, our Heavenly Father? Where he's trying to love us, to direct our paths, to help us live a holy life. And while he's guiding us, what do we usually do? You want to say it with me? And then a couple days later, weeks or years later, suddenly God's commands come to fruition and we go, oh, that's what God was doing the whole time. Guys, at some point, you have to learn to trust God's commands. You have to learn to trust that his commands are for you. They're for you to love you and to care for you. Amen? Because Jesus' commands are a gift. They're a gift. It's not that you have to follow Jesus' commands. It's that you get to follow Jesus' commands. And you go, well, hang on a second, Jordan. Jesus' commands are restrictive. Commands can't be restrictive. Well, hang on a second. Half of you want skinny jeans for Christmas. Those are restrictive. And they're still a gift. But if I was going to be more serious, I want to lift up, you know, Harrison and, and Zoe got engaged three weeks ago. That was awesome. But if you go to Harrison and say, yo, bro, dude, you just restricted your life so much. What are you doing? You can never go on a date with another girl the rest of your life. That's terrible. What do you think he's going to say? Bro, are you serious? What a gift. I I don't have to worry about another girl the rest of my life. I get to go on a date with Zoe for the rest of my life. Just because something's restrictive doesn't mean it can't be a gift. Just because the commands of Jesus are restricted doesn't mean they can't be a gift. Amen, church. I, man, I wish I, I realized this earlier in my life. 
I wish I realized back when I was in high school or early in college that Jesus wasn't trying to control me. He was trying to love and help me. For everyone that's out there, I love Adoy and Kendall talking about, for everyone out there that's trying to figure out, do I want to follow Jesus' commands or not? Know right now for all time that Jesus' commands is the best thing you could ever do in your life. Following Jesus is the best thing. No other way works. Amen? So this, why don't we talk about some commands? Let's talk about some of these gifts of Jesus. And if the whole idea is to enter this loving relationship with him, then let's talk about what that looks like. So would people be able to tell you love Jesus by the way you follow his commands? Let's talk about a few specific ones. Is that all right with you guys? So would people be able to tell you love Jesus by the music you listen to and the TV shows and movies you watch? You know, there's tons of TV shows and tons of songs that I, I know would be my very favorite songs, would be my favorite TV shows, but I don't watch because of the commands of Jesus. And a lot of us, as we go through these things, we can have a lot of opinions about what's okay for us to, to take into our bodies, what kind of entertainment is okay for us to go to. And this would be my challenge to us when we're talking about the commands of Jesus. My challenge would be for you to humbly accept that your opinion is not the command of Jesus. Yeah. And to not, it's good for us to talk about our opinions. It's good for us to ask questions about our opinions. But I want to challenge us to not show your opinion like it's a fact unless you've already studied it out in the scriptures. And to go to the scriptures to figure out what does Jesus actually say about this, not just what do I say about this. Let's do another one. Would people be able to tell you love Jesus by the way that you parent? For all the parents out there. You know, I love being a parent, but I have prayed for patience more in the last five weeks than I ever have. Because remember, he, he likes to scream. And there's moments where I'm like, can't stop. And then I have to apologize right afterwards. And I've apologized to him already a dozen times because I'll snap. And he's not even a teenager yet. <laughs> but for the parents out there, do, do you parent in a different way than the people around you? And not just because you don't curse at your kids or because you say that you love them, but you actually parent them like Jesus would parents. So another one, would people be able to tell you love Jesus by how materialistic you are? You know, I've been reading through the book, Will the Real Heretics Please Stand Up? It's by David Brousseau. I didn't even know there was going to be a handout in the newsletters. David Brousseau, who wrote this book, is actually coming to our AIM session to speak on December 1st. Only $5. Sign up. It's going to be awesome. But I've been reading through this book, Real Heretics, and it's all about the early Christians. And I've been getting so convicted and inspired about the way the people that were closest to the apostles, the way they followed Jesus. And there's these stories about these rich men and women becoming Christians, getting converted, and giving up everything they own to live in poverty so that they could give, then give everything they have to the people around them. And I started to think about how rich we are in America and how it's like we don't even know we're materialistic because of the culture that we're insaturated in. And my heart got called out a week and a half ago. I was driving out of Georgia State downtown, and I was at a stoplight. And there was a guy on the side of the road asking for money. And I'll usually give them some change. Or what I, what I love to do is give them food when people ask. Because I, I bring my lunch to campus, so I usually have leftover food. I didn't have any food at this time. And so I was kind of looking around. I didn't really have anything. And I looked out, and it's cold and raining outside. 
And I looked over and my jacket was sitting right there. And I thought, I should give him my jacket. It's cold and raining outside. And to my shame, my next thought was, but that's my favorite jacket. And I drove off. And I was so convicted leaving there. I have eight jackets at home. And I couldn't give a guy that might not have a single jacket one of my jackets. When I go home to a warm house and he's sleeping outside, I got so convicted. Would people be able to tell you love Jesus by, the, by how materialistic you are? Or on another, or by how generous you are? Amen? So a couple more. Would people be able to tell you love Jesus by the way you share your faith? And I do think in general, as North River community, we do a great job sharing our faith when there's certain events for it. Like when our family group decides to go to the mall or go to the park and have an event, or right before Bible talk, we'll go to the coffee shop or we'll go down on campus and share our faith. But this is what I want to focus on more. Would people be able to tell you love Jesus by the way you share your faith when you're alone? When you're not doing it because of other people, you're doing it because of you and Jesus' commands. Because last time I checked in Matthew 28, it's not called the Great Suggestion. It's called the Great Commission. It's a command of Jesus for us personally. Guys, we got to learn to build our own convictions and to figure out how you're going to work out your own loving relationship with Jesus, not just because people around you are doing it. I love a lot of what we're doing at North River, like kind of getting down into communities, because I think smaller groups are going to help us love Jesus better and love each other better. I love what we're doing up on the hill with Light the Hill campaign. I think that's going to create an atmosphere for so many more people to learn to love Jesus. But no amount of church structure, no amount of church buildings is going to love Jesus for you. You have to figure out what your convictions are and how you love Jesus. Amen? Let's do one more. Actually, I do want to share something on that because in a minute, there's going to be a baptism. Christian Malloy's getting baptized today. And um, they're going to come out in a minute. But I love this story because Christian plays football at Georgia Tech. He's a D1 athlete. And uh, man, I love it when all disciples share their faith. But I especially love it when naturally quiet, shy disciples share their faith. And they decide that the love of Christ is going to define them more than their own personality. And so Austin Verner is a great disciple down at Georgia Tech. And, and Austin's naturally very shy and quiet. Yet several months ago, they were walking out on campus, and they saw a couple of big old D1 football players walking towards them. And shy, quiet Austin walks up to these guys and boldly starts talking about Jesus. And then he invites them to get in a Bible study. And then the guys come to a Bible study, they bring Christian along with them, and they're asking, hey, why did y'all want to sit down and get in a Bible study, these D1 athletes? And they say, you know what? When Austin came and talked to us, I was so inspired by his boldness that I wanted to come learn from him how to be bold. That inspires me, that the love of Christ is made known through that. So let's do one more. Would people be able to tell you love Jesus by the way you're pl you plan your schedule? Because how much of Jesus is in your schedule? Is it just on Sunday mornings? Maybe on Wednesday or Tuesday nights? How much do you put Jesus in your schedule? You know, it would be so weird if after my marriage, because this, this entire thing is this loving relationship with Jesus, 
If after my marriage, before we went on our honeymoon, if someone came up to me and said, bro, dude, that's awesome after the big celebration, this is so great. Now you get to hang out with Toya like for the rest of your life, that's incredible. It would be so weird if I responded, hang out, no, hang out with her. The audacity, why? Why do I have to do that? Yet, for a lot of us disciples, we can get into this relationship with Jesus. Well, now you get to hang out with Jesus every morning and read your Bible and pray. No! I have to do that? And then, you, and then, and then now you get to hang out with Jesus on Sunday mornings and for midweek and even get a family group to dig into Jesus even more. Why? The audacity! That's weird! You can tell how much you love Jesus by how much you hang out with Jesus. But how much you look forward to hanging out. We don't come to churches to see each other because only the girls are pretty, the guys are kind of ugly. We come here to see Jesus. Jesus is here when two or three are gathered together. You can tell how much you love Jesus by the way you plan your schedule. Because ultimately, guys, it's all about love. Let's not be fake. Let's not just play this Christian game. There's plenty of hypocritical Christians in this world already. It's all about love. If we're not here because we love Jesus, then what are we doing? Because it's not really just about knowing Jesus. It's not just about respecting Jesus. It's not just being aware of Jesus. It's about loving Jesus. So what's love got to do with it? Everything. Amen? So now I get to introduce Christian who's gonna get baptized. And Christian's a freshman down at Jordan, Jordan Tech. Matthew and Austin are back here also, and they're gonna take it away to see a brother that decided that I love Jesus, I'm gonna follow his commands and give my life over to him and enter this incredible relationship with Jesus. I'll get up to these guys.